0: Hello and welcome to the pinken.com Norwich City podcast number 346, after we've broken through Chris Wilder's big sheets of white paper, of course. On the way, the battle with the blades, deadline day debate and a huge top of the table clash. My name's Dave Freezer and joining us here this Monday afternoon at Archant Towers, we have our Chief Norwich City Correspondent Paddy Davitt and the EDP's local democracy reporter, Canaries columnist, and resident wrestling expert David Hannon. David, it's your first time on the on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Looking forward to it. You uh, you were at the game on the, on Saturday, weren't you? Um where, where do you sit?
1: Uh I sit in the upper um upper and P or Regency is it called that? I can not even remember the what it's River called now. Yeah, River End, that's right. Upper there, kind of nice stairwell in front of me. Lots of legroom.
0: Top man. Um Pad, how how are you uh, this fine Monday afternoon?
1: Yeah, not too bad,
2: dear. yeah. It's uh... Stupidly decided to drive into the city today, and uh, that was nearly took me as long as to walk. The traffic is horrendous, but carnage. That, that turned into a podcast about the council and their
0: <laughs> That's
2: de- desire to pedestrianise <laughs> everything. so board, right? yeah. yeah, we got the right man obviously around the table. So yeah. maybe, maybe if this is getting a bit boring,
0: we'll, we'll yeah. verge into. So what you're saying, Pat is David? What do you think of the pedestrianisation of the city centre? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I think traders need access to Dixon's. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Cracking start. <laughs> but just before we get stuck into the uh, proper stuff of the game, remember you can get in touch with us all here to share your thoughts and get and set the agenda. Just send an email to thepinkin at Archon.co.uk, or get in touch via all the possible social media channels you can imagine, be it the Pinken or our personal profiles. And make sure you don't miss a single podcast throughout the season by subscribing. You can even leave, leave us a review if you like. Uh, you can find all the details at pinkin.com slash podcast Right now, the way we're going to kick off the podcast as is becoming customary as Mr Bailey uh, who's not with us this week he's uh, selfishly having some uh, time off uh, he has uh, found this quiz book which uh, we've been setting you a different question every week football school the amazing quiz book so amazing that it's got multiple choice answers and Pad you have picked out a question for Mr. us
2: the
0: we'll let you know the, the answer for this in the pinkincom podcast extra time which you can find on the app but Pad the question the
2: question my man is Italy hosted the second World Cup nineteen thirty-four. FIFA promised apparently it would switch continents for the next one, but changed its mind and the third World Cup took place in nineteen thirty eight in another European country, France. Question is, which two teams were so upset they refused to play? Was it France and Italy? Find that hard to believe if it was actually in France. I don't think they'd have boycotted their own (laughs) tournament, would they? So you can probably rule out France or Italy. Italy and Brazil. England and Argentina, or Argentina and Uruguay. Okay.
0: All right. Well, as I say, we'll let you know. Bit uh, but you know,
2: it keeps you suspense going, doesn't
0: it? Absolutely. Uh, on ten to hooks, I'm sure. <laughs> you're lucky, Dave. Yeah. You look it, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, the Pinkan app. You can download that in Google Play or the App Store. If you're not already on it, uh, you can uh, get a bit of insight and analysis on match day from. Myself, Paddy and Michael as we uh, travel around the country and of course it will be Leeds on Saturday. But before we look ahead to that, this is, that was the week that was, apparently, according to Mr. Bailey's script standards, which I'm doing my best to stick to. And um, kicking off, Nelson Oliveira to Reading, finally out of the door. Uh, Looks like he could get his debut at Bolton on Tuesday. David, I'll come to you first. Pleased to see him gone?
1: Yeah, I think it's... When you've got a player of that calibre who isn't playing, there's, there's no point there. It doesn't help anyone. And I, I think it's quite a shrewd move, actually, sending him to Reading on loan. You know, a team that they've still got to play Leeds, they've still got to play several of the teams around us. Um, can't play against us out there on loan. And if, yeah, if he gets them going, you know, that's points off of our rivals they're taking. Andy very well may score the goals, the pitch switch down. So everyone's a winner.
0: Fingers crossed. And uh, if he can score goals, that's going to be massive in terms of value, isn't it, Pat?
2: Value to him, yeah, in terms of his next move. Because I think if Daniel Farkas stays here in the summer and beyond, Nelson Oliveira won't feature. I think there's too much water flowing under that bridge. So um, the reality is he's now in the shop window. And if he's going to get himself a decent career move, then what he does between now and the end of the season, absolutely vital for the lad. And obviously, off the back of that because he's still under contract until 2020. Yeah. Um so if he's going to move anywhere in the summer and it's a permanent then Norwich will cash in. So yeah, I can't see a negative as, as David rightly says, you know, in, and that's even before you get into the damage he could inflict on potential damage on Norwich's rivals because as, as Daniel Farker said when we asked him about this on Friday, he's fit and he's motivated and you can guarantee that he'll he'll be looking to prove one or two wrong, maybe even the head coach. So If you've got a fully motivated Nelson Oliveira, I don't think there's any debate that the guy has got talent and at this level he could score goals. It's just the temperament, sadly.
1: Can we please just not point out every time that he scores a goal, saying, yeah, (laughs) another one for Nelson, because, you know, Timu Puki's scoring almost every week. Jordan Rhodes is scoring. You know, it's not like we're short of strikers. So let's not have us pointing out every time Oliveira scores, saying we could have had that, because it doesn't fit
0: in, does he? Well, Timu Puki, 18 goals, 29 games. Nelson Oliveira, 20 and 70. So, there's your answer. Um, yes, but I can just imagine that coming out, can't you? Oh, Nelson scored again, just up when Norwich have lost, you know. Yeah. God forbid, at Leeds on Saturday, that that will soon come out, because it's an easy answer, isn't it? Um, before Saturday's game, there was a bit of a double injury blow, wasn't there, Pad? Pretty, um, pretty nasty. Uh, Louis Thompson, knee problem, and Carlton Morris has hurt his ankle in the under-23s game last Monday. Um, I covered that with 1-1. Um, draw with Leicester after about half an hour got taken out fairly bad tackle um, that's a bit of a blow and obviously we've got the transfer deadline approaching on Thursday haven't we 11, 11 o'clock Thursday night so that could have a bit of a, a fresh implication in terms of homegrown stuff couldn't it well absolutely I
2: think did you say on Saturday they were literally on the cut line I mean yeah. basically They're aston right? Oxborough comes into the equation and then you're really struggling then you're going into as we saw when this played out going to Hillsborough before Christmas, Timmy Odessina no longer in the mix, obviously he's out on loan, but the fact you're getting down to him and the Alfie Paynes of this world underlines how precarious that is if you've got an injury to any of the, who are the homegrown players. So, yeah, with that in mind, in in light of those two being ruled out for minimum 10 weeks, Daniel, I think for the first time, did signal on Friday they might look to do something, but... Looking to do something and actually physically being able to get somebody over the line, I think it's going to be quite difficult because, ultimately, you know what market you're looking in. If it's homegrown, it's got to be domestic market. They're not really gonna going to want to spend the heavy money because any homegrown players that are actually available for sale between now and Thursday, they're going to be overinflated in terms of prices. Weber's not not a man who's, who's willingly going to spend over the odds. They probably don't have the money to do it anyway. So, so then you get into probably young lads on in Premier League clubs who are not getting getting a game but then are they going to really improve what you've already got in the mix so it's a very difficult one obviously the the question is they just let a lad go out on loan who probably fits the bill and that's Ben Marshall but again a bit like Oliveira I think there's too much water flowing under the, that particular bridge as well and uh, there'll certainly be no recall for Ben Marshall but he would be with, without the benefit of hindsight clearly he would have been perfect because he would have ate at the home box and he's in that area of the pitch but you know, having said all that, Daniel was fairly relaxed about it. Again, he, he certainly doesn't feel it's a major he, he, he has to be, I suppose. Yeah, but he's not as much as you're saying he'd like them to do something in that area. I don't think if it got to Thursday 11 p.m., they haven't done it. Then, you know, the, the cards are about to collapse. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think in, in an ideal world, all they'd look to do between now and Thursday would probably be a, a young development type addition. And obviously, they've been linked to one or two of those, but. You know, as you said, they won't fall asleep,
0: so we'll see. Where do you stand at? ahead of deadline day? Obviously, we've had uh, Ben Marshall's gone out, Matt Jarvis has gone out on loan, uh, Remy Matthews' meal, uh, deal was made permanent, so th- there's been a little bit of activity, but obviously nothing much coming in. We, we did have this young lad last week, didn't we, William Hondemark? brilliant name french born was playing in ireland uh, for droghida he played in the in the youth cup game they unfortunately lost 3-0 at preston so that's them out of the fourth round um, but and the night before in that under 23s game I, I mentioned he actually played half an hour in that as well he he looked a looked a big unit but in in terms of first team matters obviously he's going to be quite far away do, do you feel there's a need for another addition david
1: i mean i think this is probably the first transfer window i can think of where Doesn't bother me either which way, whether we sign someone or not. I think everyone does get a bit um, carried away on deadline day, and you know, you like the drama of it, and you're desperately checking your phone to see if something, you know, if we've signed Harry Kane on loan at five minutes past midnight or something to that effect. But I think this is the most relaxed uh, that I've been about a transfer window. You know, if we bring someone in who can improve the squad or at the least bring in somebody to boost the local quota, then great. If we don't, you know, I'm quite happy with what we've got. You know, it's been a real trend this season that whenever somebody is injured someone else has stepped up and you know you've, plenty of players have even thinking oh crikey he's out then that's us um, without a paddle and someone steps up so I think we're quite happy with what we got in strength and depth
0: yeah. Well, I don't want to sound too much like a Sky Sports advert, but in terms of drama, I don't see why people want to watch EastEnders. You just follow football. There's always something crazy going on in there. Deadline Day is sort of a perfect example of that. Everyone gets so whipped up into a frenzy. (laughs) But uh, Anyway, that was the week that was. Um, The game itself, 2-2, of course, against Sheffield United. um, Pegged back twice. Big clash of promotion rivals um, United, United up to third Still three points behind Norwich um, What did you make of the performance overall Pad Do you, do you feel it, well, it seems like everyone sort of held their hands up and said Yeah fair enough
2: Absolutely yeah Both managers certainly felt that was that was a fair result When the dust was starting to settle after the game But yeah, I would think Norwich, Most Norwich fans would have seen Second half and, and been very concerned In terms of Sheffield were very good I thought, I thought that was the best I've seen them under Wilder in terms of an actual cohesive unit you can see what they're trying to do they've obviously got a guy up top in the same vein as Timu Puki and Billy Sharp and you're always going to be in with a chance and, and the fact again very similar to Norwich they're up there for a reason because they've got a consistency about them in terms of performance and result and and you saw that I thought in the second half and and it, yes obviously it would have been lovely if, if Timu Puki's goal had been the winner but if you were Sheffield you'd have been feeling very hard done by because I thought they, they more than merited a point so and conversely despite two unbelievable goals each in their own way from Norwich I didn't think they they certainly weren't as good in open play I didn't think for the for the period as they were maybe against Birmingham but that was probably maybe the, more to the pressing you know Sheffield and I didn't allow them to play out from the back they were straight on to Krull or Godfrey or Zimmerman um, and teams are going to do that more often than not so yeah all in all I think two very evenly matched sides and are probably a result that underline that um, but ultimately as Farker said it keeps that gap between them and Sheffield and in the final analysis that's not a bad state of
0: affairs and putting my Stato head on I did uh, dig out a, f- a fact that it was seven shots at goal, and that's only the second time in Daniel Farker's era that they've had less than 10 shots at goal in a home league game. And I think
2: which, Sheffield had about 18, to be fair. Yeah,
0: 18. But they, uh, I think they actually had less shots on target than Norwich, didn't they? Because uh, five of Norwich's seven shots were on target, which is a pretty good. pucky scored with his only shot on target. Um, but that first goal, everyone got very excited about that, David, didn't they? That was, that was high quality.
1: Oh, God, it was it was special. I, I was returned to my old man and said to him that, you know, I think I'd take one of those... You know over a screamer any day you know you yeah. remember the 40 yard ones that crashing off the crossbar but for pure you know football pornography <laughs> that that goal was to me you know the one touch football the the path through ball everything about it was just unbelievable and you know it's i take one of
0: them over a 40 yard screamer any day because it's just brilliant to see First time on the pod and he mentions porn. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there was it, they went close again, didn't they, Pad? There was a, a couple of other instances. Steedman with a slaloming run. Buendia with one where there was a little nutmeg and then uh, sort of blasted against Henderson. There, there was some good stuff in there still, wasn't
2: there? Oh, there was, yeah. But just not maybe in the same quantities as we've seen in, in previous games. And again, at risk of repeat myself, I think that's because... Sheffield United in a nice way I suppose are a very horrible team to play against. They don't anything you get from them is hard earned clearly and um but you know overall yeah as Daniel said you know you lead twice and you end up with a point you have got to be disappointed but when you look at who's to come back in for Norwich as well IE Tribal Tete Leitner um sorry Tribal uh, closer um Leitner and uh, Tete into that mix that's got to strengthen Norwich. Now, obviously, then the next debate is how Farker accommodates them all. Um, but, you know, in terms of the bigger picture, I think still very positive. You know, they've played West Brom and Sheffield now. Um, they've not lost any ground to those two. If they can come back from Leeds with something as
0: well, then it's all there for them. Yeah, still one defeat in 17 league games, isn't it? Which is pretty remarkable. I I spoke to Crystal Zimmerman after the game and he he openly admitted that they didn't bomb forward too much in the latter stages because they knew how important losing that game would have been. And and I suppose they still had the Derby and the Forest games in the back of their head when they did concede late goals. Oh, well, sorry, they did against Derby. Um, They did concede goals when they were trying to attack against Forest. So in terms of the overall promotion picture, David, are you heartened by the automatic promotion hopes on the back of that? Do you think, Sheffield United are, are a legitimate threat.
1: I, I think Sheffield United are one of the better teams that I've seen at Carrow this season, yeah. possibly the best. Um, you know, our wasn't at the Leeds game, so right. it's one. But they pressed high up the field, and lots of teams have done that. You know, tried to limit us our ability to play out and try to, just simple things like pushing really high up the field so cruel can't play a long goal kick. But nine out of ten teams that have tried to do that against Norwich this season have tired. Um, and Sheffield didn't look tired towards the end it wasn't kind of clinging on at any point they kind of kept their fitness together and you know they were well worth a point we were well worth a point I think it was a fair result as everyone says but yeah in terms of their fitness in terms of how they worked as a team and just in terms of the way they got the ball forward quickly without playing launch ball I I was really impressed by them
0: and of course, before kick off, Chris Wilder had to pull something out of the hat, didn't he? And it emerged that well, he knew nothing about it, of course. But <laughs> Did he not? Um, well, no. isn't, that, isn't that what he told you? <laughs> that and anyway, let me just set the scene. The Twitter video emerges that the Sheffield United uh, physios have turned up early and papered over as much of the pink in the away dressing room as they can with big sheets of white A3 paper. Because obviously they don't want their testosterone being lowered, do they? So they've got to counteract that. Chris Wilder inevitably gets asked about it after the game. It wasn't quite the epic uh, from Bramall Lane, was it? When he was banging his fists on the desk. Coast but uh, yeah. what, what, what did Mr. Wilder have to say for uh, for that?
2: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the backdrop, and, and I think the opening question to him was, um, "What did you make of the pink walls?" To which he shot back, "They weren't pink. They were white." When I got there, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, as you said, I think it was his kit, man, um, had, had got very early, quite creative, I thought.
1: Yeah. I, I want to know why, surely white is just as calming as pink. You could have, I don't know, I, I've got no idea about the psychology. You'll have to ask Stuart Webber, but, you know, you could have picked an even brighter colour or something to get the testosterone pumping rather than one that brings it down. But yeah. I suppose small market margins, you know, some teams paint the walls pink, some teams spy on training.
2: Absolutely,
0: I, yeah. I liked the attention they'd gone to. They even put pictures above the um, coat oh, hooks and stuff, the players, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, to sort of make themselves feel at home. Yeah, so but
2: ultimately, the, the bench, that, the, the kit man video that was on Twitter, which we embedded in, in our story, I mean, all the benches, they didn't do anything with them. They were still pink. Yeah. The coat hanger hooks were all pink. So, you know, if you're going to do the job, do it properly, is what I say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next time, come armed with even more A4 sheets of paper. But, uh, I mean, he was... Uh, Clearly, he was quite quite willing to make the link between them getting a positive result and Norwich having having failed in their ability to de lower testosterone levels. <laughs> but um, he was, uh, yeah, he's basically. Uh, I think he, he felt they'd got one over on Norwich. I think was was the, the gist <laughs> of his reply. But uh, you know, as he said, his kit men have always got another career in front of them now. If, if the football kit shirts hanging up don't go for them, so yeah, it's just uh, another strange, bizarre. Subplot to this sort of fixture I think since these two managers have come into their
0: respective clubs he loves it doesn't he I'd, I'd love to have seen Grant Holt play for him because he was, <laughs> he would be just his sort of player wouldn't he we all remember the fouls that Grant used to buy and that sort of stuff and Grant loved it as well so um, before we wrap up the the this section on the game then our gongs of the week um, and we'll kick off with the big Duncan Forbes hero of the week um, and I'll, I'll give you an offering uh, Tommy Tribal for that heroic block in the first Oof. half took the ball right in the unmanageables, and it was one that was needed as well. Really did. Uh, I think it was a Gary Medine shot, and at that early stages Tribal did as much as anyone to sort of hold back the tide. Um, anyone else got an in?
1: I don't think I can really contest. And <laughs> when you take the ball there, it's you know it's one step beyond Christoph Zimmerman lying down and putting his head in the way. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Except for one place I, you know, if <laughs> I had to pick one place not to be hit by the ball, that's the I one. To say. The ultimate display of commitment, isn't it? Putting that on the floor. absolutely.
2: So, I was going to say their their kit men, but we kind of dis- d- d- dissected that in depth. But just it amuses me that I'm sure when they signed up to uh, their skills weren't can you hang A4 pieces of paper? <laughs> it's probably can you iron and fold kit, but. Uh, you've got to be flexible in this world so fair play to them I'd imagine working for Wilder is quite a challenging boss to work for so for that alone they deserve to be heroes of the week in my view
0: Okay, uh, that's on the CV for them I'd imagine they'll turn up on DIY SOS or something I'm
1: interested to see if we get kind of more creative ways of combating it perhaps they'll put up mirrors or something or next a lot of all fine I'm sure well I suppose Leeds have been I'm sure they'd think of something creative to, to do.
0: I saw a tweet from someone saying that if it made them take any kind of aversive action, then it's worked, doesn't it? Because it's made them think about that. It might have just distracted them from the yeah, football yeah. For, for a few minutes, but uh, whatever. Um, Pink paper on the walls that Ellen wrote the weekend, I reckon? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's needed. <laughs> um, right, the Kevin Muscat villain of the week. Um, any villain that jumps out for, for you, Mr Hannah?
1: Not really, no. I, 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 there was absolutely nothing about the game that I kind of feel aggrieved by or want wanted to be fear. wilder
0: but
1: <laughs> I know yeah but you know no, nothing, nothing's wound me up this week unfortunately
2: Pad any villains? well only with a lower case V but Buendia because I think that was an absolutely crucial period in the game and and also you'd probably have to throw Max Ahrens in there because he's done for ball watching and um, and then Buendia's tried to recover his ground and it's, it's a clear penalty I don't even know I mean I contend Daniel's version it was a soft penalty I mean he, he might have waited for the touch, but it was clearly a shove there. So for it to be in the third minute of stoppage time at the end of the first half, they go in there 1-0. That place is jumping and they would have deserved it because they were excellent. And then if that second half panned out as as, as the second half did, then they win the game 2-1, don't they? So yeah it offers so much going forward already a pivotal influential player but he'll have to learn from things like that because that was naive
0: it was naive sounds up uh, best um, I'm going to go back a little bit further in the week to that Carlton Morris incident as I said I was at Colney covering that under 23s game Josh Knight was the player who you'll have never heard of but he plays for Leicester under 23s uh, no slight on the lad I'm not saying he did it on purpose but it was a naughty challenge uh, as David Wright termed it afterwards Norwich under 23s boss Um Basically, it was a corner that had been cleared. Morris ended up in the right-back position and went to clear it. And it was very similar to that Marcus Stiefman inc- incident in the Forest game that he potentially could have been sent off for. Basically, he was sliding in, trying to stop the ball being cleared, trying to keep the pressure on Norwich. Instead, he just cleaned out Morris' ankle. And at the time, there was a bit of a whelp of pain. And given that that was Morris's first game since May, since that knee ligament injury at Wembley, I have to admit that the worst went through my head at the time. And he did play on for, for another... Uh, what five or so minutes before deciding to go off, but then it wasn't until later in the week that he actually found out the the extent of his injury. So I'm absolutely gutted for Carl, and after he must have worked so hard. So um, you know, our, our thoughts are with him because that's pretty much his season over. But. He's just going to have to uh, do everything he can to get back for pre-season next year, isn't he? But um, finally, with the gongs, uh, Simeon Jackson, moment of the week. uh, Is Oliver Exit too cheeky? Is there a moment of the week for you, Dave? (laughs) I think the
1: moment, I'm going to take another one from the game. I mean, Obviously, I've already said how how much I love the first goal and if Arsenal had scored it, people would have been banging on about it for hours and we've seen it a million times. But the moment for me, something that always gets my go at Carrow Road, is every time a ball is kind of slid back to someone, no matter if they've got Room to shoot or not, the cries of shoot. That ball came trickling back to Tom Tribal. <laughs> Everyone shouts shoot, and instead he just cuts his head up, slides a perfect ball through, pass later, and that's 2-1 City. And, you know, I just loved that pass. The fact that he did that, rather than stick his foot through it
0: and probably put it in Rose head. Maybe he got a little bit fortunate with the deflection, because I think nah, he was aiming <laughs> for hooky, wasn't he? But still, yeah, if he, if he had he tried to shoot. To,
1: yeah, it yeah. composure to sl- try and slide a ball through. Yeah when shooting, you know, one time out of ten it probably would fly in the top corner, but other times it's in Rose Ed and you've lost a good chance, so I was
0: impressed by that. And your Jackson of the week, Pat?
2: Well, it has to be the goal, the first goal, I mean, just, I tweeted immediately, that's the best goal I think I've seen live, and David is spot on, not because it's uh, Yusuf Safri, Howitzer or whatever, but just because, or Tete for for that matter, but somebody told me afterwards because all the video highlights I've seen in clips since subsequently they, they literally pick up that move three passes or four passes from the, the moment Hernandez and I think from what I'm led to believe it's 15 or 16 passes and it's gone front to back pace the pace of it that they move the ball it wasn't just the lateral crab like stuff that last season got too many people's backs up just the absolute purest essence of what Farker's philosophy is all about and uh, yeah as Mr Hannan rightly says if that was Man City scoring it we'd be hearing about it still probably till next year it was
1: was almost identical to the one that um, Aaron Ramsey scored against us for Arsenal you know the quick pinball passes on the edge of the area flick through catches the offside trap Goal, and um, that was how good it was.
0: Absolutely. Um, in fact, you might have seen the video in the week of the under 23's goal against yeah. Leicester. It was very similar to that, um, so, and everyone was talking about Ball after that. So, um, I think that that was quite uh, quite similar. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the moment of the game, wasn't it? Because everyone's reaction to it was like, "Wow, we're so good at the moment." <laughs> um, in that sort of opening ten minutes, it was all the build up to that game. Everyone knowing how important it was. All of a sudden, it was like. up after 11 minutes you know the possibilities seemed um, endless but I I will just give a mention for Pookie's finish as well and it wasn't until I watched the replay that um, you just see the intelligence of him the way he moves into space he's looking where the defenders are and he just has a little look over his shoulder sees the space to Henderson's right and he puts the shot in pretty much the only place he could have put it to score didn't he so Fair play to the guy. I thought it was a fantastic finish. And
2: yeah, What's do you doing? We've got the picture in front of us. And it's almost like, don't don't hit me with the ball.
0: Well, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Then he really would have been the villain if he'd have put that off target. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
2: But he's got a very panicked expression on him in uh, page two of the Pinkin today.
0: But we won't go on too much about Timo because I think we will probably dedicate quite a lot of... Um, Words written spoken visual uh, over the course of the end of the season because he's already on 17 in the league he's obviously on course to surpass some big names you know the likes of Ewan Roberts Robert Earnshaw maybe even Grant Holt in, in terms of a return for a season so we'll park that for now Right onto mailbag, and we have got some uh, some tweets in from you guys. And um, if you've ever got anything you uh, would like us to to discuss on the pod, uh, you can email us at thepinken at archant.co.uk, um, or we're just at pinken on uh, Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and all our personal accounts as well. And um, we'll kick off with Trevor Sad. Uh, why does Daniel Farke put Aaron's on the left when he chooses to go three at the back rather than keep a forward or a midfielder on the pitch? you make of that one, Pader? Because he brings Hernandez to the right, doesn't he? It's almost like he doesn't want Hernandez as as the left wing-back for some reason.
2: <laughs> well, I think I know why that is, mate. Have you seen him <laughs> trying to defend? Did you see, yeah. see him at West Brom, the way he left Mason Holgate to uh, Rome mm-hmm. against Aarons? But, uh, sorry, uh, Lewis. Um, well, that's probably a feather in Max's cap, isn't it? And, and let's be honest, it worked perfectly at Bristol City that time when when he, he made that switch. Um uh, yeah, I hadn't really given that too much thought. You know why? I mean, who's he taking off to accommodate? I, I, you know, I can't think of Bristol who came on for Hernandez came on, didn't he that yeah. day?
0: Um, but well, we had what Campwell and Rhodes coming on for Wendy and Steepman the other mm-hmm. day. So it was, I suppose, in a way, it was almost more Daniel just going more solid, wasn't it? Right, yeah. I know he's putting Rhodes on, but it wasn't exactly going all out for the win, was it?
2: No, and I think he has come in for a little bit of because I think those substitutions were eighty-eight and eighty-nine and you know clearly there's not a lot of time for those guys to influence the game and I did actually put that to him post match you know did was there a reason why you left it so late with the subs and and he was pretty good on this I mean he said more or less since the, from the moment the second goal went in when Pukie's goal went in he was contemplating going to a three but he just felt that if he if he was to do that might get a derby outcome where he made the changes and he went the other way and they went and scored that he must have felt that he didn't want to disrupt the rhythm um, and I don't think he can be questioned too harshly in terms of his substitutions if I go back to that Bristol game and West Brom both times in instant impact when he brought guys on and changed the system so you know on this occasion maybe it didn't work for him but um yeah I, I i don't think he should be castigated too much really for me
0: okay um this one is from nikki keller um I'm going to have to disqualify one player from my answer here because I believe Nikki Keller may be the mother of Spencer Keller who plays for Norwich under 23 he's a young lad um, so good question Nikki. but I'm, I'm going to disqualify Spencer from being a possibility <laughs> um, he, scored the, uh, he scored the goal for the 23s against Leicester um, on Monday and uh, looked very bright he's uh, got a good future ahead of him but the question is have you seen anyone in the academy under 18s or 23s that's caught your eye who people should look out for in the future um, if I if I had to pick one who I like the look of, um, Josh Coley is a guy who came in in, in the summer who had been playing um, non-league football um, and has got all the pace you could hope for. Um, and he played a big part. As, as I mentioned, that goal got quite a bit of attention because the club put the video out, didn't they? And Again, a bit of ball there. Really lovely team move from one side of the pitch to the other. And it's Coley that drops his shoulder, turns into space passes to Spirou back heel lovely back heel and then it's Spencer Keller who fires into the bottom right corner but Coley has got some real pace he's a real sighting player to watch if he's almost so quick that at the moment he's almost leaving the ball behind himself um, at times so um, if he can improve his ball control, there could be a could be a player there who's um, got the potential to get players uh, to get sort of bums off seats if he ever made it near a first team. But um, we'll see. It's a difficult difficult season for the 23s. It's almost a bit of a transitional year for the academy in, as they sort of find their feet. But now you've got Paul Williams appointed as the under 18s coach, and, and David Wright permanently is under 23s. Hopefully, that sort of stability is going to allow them to to kick on a bit. Um, and just finally, um, Eddie on Twitter I don't know if he's Eddie the Eagle but um, Adrian Fitzpatrick January or Summer this is the lad at Partick Thistle isn't it Pad um, yeah. sounds like they're sort of playing hardball could you see that one maybe sneaking over the line before before Thursday night's deadline yes
2: I could yeah there's defi- they're definitely an interest there from Norwich's point of view um, but the, that, as you say Gary Caldwell I think is their manager and he, he was pretty strident I thought in terms of we're not, we're not going to be pushed around here and uh, we, we know the value of this kid. But, you know, I think, it was was there a quote about it to take outrageous money or something like that? He was attributed yeah, an to unbelievable him. beard, unbelievable, I think. Unbelievable, yeah. But define that in the, you know, in the Partick Thistle footballing firmament. I mean, uh, I think the figures quoted were rising up to 400,000. You put a lot more add-ons in there. Certainly if Rangers are the other potential suitors and I think Norwich financially will be able to to... to, uh, to edge them to one side but then you don't know Rangers are a massive name in Scottish football if that's his background a bit like Middleton you know you might fancy that but uh, irrespective if it's this window or the summer potentially I mean he's 17 years of age so it's very much one for the future but could I see it happening if Norwich got anything to do with it definitely
1: Perhaps we could send Captain Canary down um, as part of the deal because we all know what their, their mascot looks like you know? <laughs> wouldn't mind getting shot I think uh, Yeah <laughs>
0: Okay, the week ahead, um, Wednesday night, 6pm, you know where to be, Pinken show is down the pub, Michael is back, and um, that's definitely one to watch out for, uh, and deadline day of course is uh, on Thursday, 11pm deadline, we'll have uh, the live blog up and running all day for you at and. I think it's probably going to be just as interesting to keep an eye on City's promotion rivals, really. West Brom um, being linked with Jacob Murphy, for instance. That's one that could uh, have an impact. Um, Friday night, the under-23s are at home at Colney again. They play West Brom uh, at 7pm. And then, of course, we are on to Ellen Road on Saturday for the big one, televised half-past 5 kickoff at League Leaders Leeds. Now, pad, I remember I was going there for um, the League Cup tie uh, what was it two or three seasons ago we had the
2: run of the place after the game
0: didn't we yeah and it was only about half yeah but it was about half empty but Leeds won it on pens didn't they I I think yep. uh, Alex Pritchard yep. might have missed the decisive penalty Norwich
2: score, I think Oliveira scored in extra time to put it, my head Yeah, and they yeah. still got pegged back didn't they
0: but that was only half full that day and there was some noise so I have to say I'm quite looking forward to feeling the atmosphere because we have felt the big game atmosphere at West Bron recently of course on Saturday against Sheffield United but this is going to be huge isn't
2: it oh, it'll blow those any of those out of the water this will be phenomenal um, that's even before you weave in all the uh, you know the, the fallout from the spygate scenario and Norwich's potential role in wanting full disclosure. Um, yeah, this will be very, very spicy, and um, that's why you know Norwich's young players have, have passed every test put in front of them and, and looked as um as if they believe they belong in these type of environments. But they won't have experienced anything on this nature. This will be off the Richter, um, but. You know, it's a good test you know we think that they've got the temperament and the talent we'll certainly find out a little bit more about that on Saturday evening I think
0: How confident are you going into it David I mean they have been I know you missed the game at Cairo but I'm sure you've seen plenty of them this year they have been very good they're what four points clear at the top do you think this is a game Norwich can win?
1: I, I think so um, I, don't, I think it's only three points isn't it? Three points yeah, yeah. sorry any, any win puts us top of the table because you know with have goal scored come to play Um I don't see any reason why we can't turn them over. I mean, they're having a little bit of a wobble. OK, they beat Rotherham at the weekend, but you'd expect them to. But I think if you look at their recent record, I think three out of the last five games perhaps they've lost, yeah. they're having a little bit of a wobble. And I think you find that with, from what I've understand about Bielsa teams in the past, they often do, you know, f- straight out of the traps and then kind of tend to maybe tire a bit at a certain stage and lose their way a little. And I, I honestly think that Spygate has kind of affected them in a way. Um, so you know, there's no reason why we can't go there and at least get a point if not turn them over we've been doing quite well on Sky as well this season memory serves as
0: me correctly. so yeah, I don't know I, I could see us nicking it 1-0 do you still see them as, as favourites for the title as things stand there I mean like, as you say Bielsa's team do have um, a tendency to, to tail away but if they can survive all this sort of spygate fuss I mean there's no suggestion that there's any points deduction sort of imminent or anything I think no. if that happened which seems very unlikely that's going to be possibly yeah, the well start next season. yeah you would have thought so because it's just going to be almost impossible to to put anything else but yeah do you, do you still see them as, as the title favourites? Yeah I
1: think it's hard not to particularly you know the team at the top of the table that is always going to be the favourites um, but I think I don't know if you can, I think it's one of the seasons. It must be really hard to choose a, a clear favourite. Um, okay, if we get to, you know, after seven o'clock on, on Sunday and Leeds are six points clear of us, then yeah, you are going to say they're definitely the favourites. But I think any of the four, top four, could kind of put a decent run together and you're yeah, the favourites. I, I, I wouldn't want to say, to be honest.
0: Okay. Um, well, on the pitch, Pad, um, do you think it's time for experience? Do you think there's any chance of. I mean, Alex Tetti is back in training this week, yeah. isn't he? Do you think there's any chance Grant Hanley could could come in for, for Ben Godfrey in, in, in that sort of white-hot atmosphere?
2: Yeah, it's a massive call. That I mean, experience-wise, you could see it all day long, but this is a guy who basically played for, what, 15 minutes against Portsmouth before he got himself sent off. He yeah. didn't show a lot of experience on that occasion, did he? So, um, And he's not really had any game time at all. You know, a couple of development outings in, in God knows how many weeks... Not the ideal preparation for this game because Norwich, you know, will be under the pomp for, for spells of the game. They'll have to defend really strong. No, I think um, I think the boat has sailed, unfortunately, for him for this game. I think if he'd have really put a marker down against Portsmouth, played the 90 minutes and, and shown everybody what he's about, I think you'd have probably seen him in the 11 by now. But um, he didn't take his chance there. And, uh, yeah, OK, Zimmerman, you could question his sort of... Uh, inability to trap Billy Sharp there on the second goal midweek, uh, sorry, Saturday and one or two other rash moments in the game but I think, yeah, I just think time has, has ran, ag- ran against Grant so no, I think he'll be on the bench and then depending on how the game pans out then he's a good option to bring in particularly, you know, if David scenario pans out and they, they have got their noses in front you're going into the final 20 minutes of that game you know the balls are going to be coming in from all angles then you probably want him in the box so
0: um, yeah I don't see him starting a game no I I think it's difficult when he's not in his rhythm Um, for me Alex Tetty's got to come in I I would probably pair him with Tom Tribal um, just because it's going to be such a difficult game but I I, I half wonder whether Daniel might drop one of O'Neill Hernandez or Buendia and play Mario Vranchic in, in the sort of a further forward that. role because he has done that earlier in the season and Mario looked absolutely fine there because mm. those, the, the, the wide roles aren't, aren't necessarily wingers other than Hernandez. No. Hernandez plays like a winger, doesn't he? But So I think that could work. Um, we, 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 you go along with that, Dave? Yeah, I, I wouldn't lose Vranchic from the team, certainly, because,
1: you know, he's been doing really well he in has, the quarterback yeah. role. I've been worried, you know, Leitner's another one when we found out about his injury, it's like, oh, Crikey, what we're we going to do here but you know he's come in and he's sitting in that quarterback role plenty well and it makes such a difference having a player who can think so quickly on his feet back there because the way vrancic can you know spot a pass and keep calm you don't panic the guy um i'm not sure i'd see any reason to change it i mean alex tetty only I mean, just coming back from fitness um you wouldn't want him half, or half a yard off the pace if he's you know back full fitness you are always going to be more solid but i think we need to do exactly what Leeds did when they came to us. And I don't think Leeds set themselves out to be solid against us. They set themselves out to hit us hard, hit us early, which is exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. So I don't see any reason why we can't do the exact same to them.
0: Well, one thing I think we can all say ahead of kick-off is that everyone will take a point yeah. <laughs> at the end of this one. So uh, let's see what uh, what Ellen Rhodes got in store for us. Thank you very much, chaps. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have uh, a bit more for you on the app um, in the Pinkham podcast extra time. Uh, Remember com for all the latest Norwich City news, analysis, opinion and transfer insight. Uh, we'll be back with you each and every Monday, so make sure you get in touch and get involved. This is your podcast, as much as it is ours. I love that line. I think that's really good. Well well, well done, Michael. Um, We'll answer the quiz question over in the uh, podcast extra time, and we will see you guys the other side of Leeds. Have a good week.